This is In The Zone. It's Maurice Drummond. Maurice! That's an introduction that... You know what? Can we just start it over? I, I want to hear that introduction again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys you guys really know how to warm up a guest, man. I, I really... I'm always honored to come on with you guys. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. And um, you know what? You're doing an unbelievable job. And uh, I can't thank you enough for... Uh, for letting me come on. On the In The Zone Network. Hey, this is the living legend K.I.L. and I'm feeling wonderful. And I'm in the zone. Shatota. This is In The Zone. Woo! We got Johnny Hudson Malay! Woo! Stop the tape! Stop the tape! Ah! Malay, lock it up! Ah! Ah! <laughs> ah! On the In the Zone Network. NTZ. In the Zone. City to city, state to state, worldwide. This is the In the Zone Network. This is it. Welcome to the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. Checking in today for the first time in a few weeks. Took a slight hiatus for the holiday, but guess what, folks? We are back. Um, of course, the show is brought to you by the one and only In The Zone Network, city to city, state to state, worldwide. This is the network, and this is, this is the Price Check Podcast. So, um, as you all know, we have a deep love for showing love. To those who secure the bag, and we have a very special secure the bag today because we are acknowledging the signing and the return to the NBA of one Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo did not secure a big bag, however, a bag nonetheless. So, Carmelo, to you, shout out being back in the league, back with the Portland Trailblazers, or I should say with the Portland Trailblazers, um... I have a few questions about what Portland may actually be doing, but I think they needed to make a splash. They needed wing depth, and this was their answer. Um, they are currently 9-15, and 15, so not the best record, and, and quite honestly, very far from it, but they needed to do something uh, to improve their chances at being able to get a playoff spot out west. Um, they are also right now looking at trying to make a Kevin Love trade. Uh, Kevin Love did come out and say today after you know, kind of formally hearing that the Cavaliers are going to start listening to offers for Kevin Love. Um, he came out and said that his preferred destination would be to his hometown team, uh, the Portland Trailblazers. So we'll monitor that situation as we approach this uh, upcoming December 14th, um, I guess, date where teams are now able to trade acquisitions that were made this offseason. Um, so you'll start to hear a lot more buzz about trade rumors and places where guys can go uh, now that that day, as we look at it now, is five days away. But um, we got a few different topics to hit on here in today's podcast. Big one that we must start with 
Uh, and I'm going, I'm, if it sounds like I'm getting a little bit upset, it's not because I'm truly upset, but I am really questioning the level of competence that is being utilized in running the New York Knicks. The reason why I am questioning that is because, as we all know, they did fire David Fisdale last week. Promoted Mike Miller to become the new interim head coach after firing David Fisdale. Now, if you look at David Fisdale's record, and I'm also doing this a little bit off the top of my head here, I think 31-98 and 98 was his record as the coach of the Knicks. Anybody with a record like that deserves to be fired. Let, let's, let's be frank about it. Uh, if, if we're looking at you know 120 game sample size, you only win 25 percent of your games. You deserve to lose your job. However, for the New York Knicks and more specifically Steve Mills, James Dolan, Scott Perry, that whole regime there, to make it seem as though their roster was supposed to be able to compete this year, and by compete I mean actually win enough games to be in line for a playoff spot. Nobody looked at that roster coming off of the offseason into the regular season and thought, oh, yeah, the Knicks are going to be a winning team. I actually said on this podcast that the New York Knicks probably was the safest bet in the league to go under their expected win total. And they are very clearly one of the worst teams in the league before you even looked at the games. And now since the games have actually been played, they are even worse than what we thought. Their big signings this offseason, mind you, the talk coming into the offseason was we may get a high enough draft pick to get Zion Williamson. We may be able to land Kevin Durant. We may be able to land Kyrie Irving. That then turned into we feel really good about making those signings. Then the wheels start to come off. They don't get the number one fit pick. In fact, they drop to number three where they have to take R.J. Barrett. Kevin Durant decides, you know what, I'm going to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving also decides, you know what, I'm going to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Now you are left with R.J. Barrett and a bunch of power forwards and point guards. Your offseason signings included Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, and Julius Randle, who all played the same damn position. Steve Mills and Scott Perry deserve to be fired also. If you are going to fire David Fisdale, you have to fire those two. And I I am really flabbergasted. You can probably tell in my voice right now. I am really flabbergasted at the fact that they portrayed this roster to be one that was capable of winning and that's the excuse that they used to fire David Fisdale you have to know going into this season if this is not the guy that you trust your team with go ahead and cut ties then don't draw this thing out and make him a lame duck when you know that this is not the guy that you want running your basketball team on the court and this is now yet another failure under James Dolan's watch, um, who's also a guy that hired Donnie Walsh back in the day, hired Isaiah Thomas back in the day, and also hired Phil Jackson a few years ago. None of those things have turned out to work out well for this team. So, definitely have to get rid of Scott Perry. 
uh, and Steve Mills if you're going to then say that this is all David Fisdale's fault. Um, he didn't trade away Kristaps Porzingis for cap space. He didn't go out and make the proclamation that they were going to be in good shape come the offseason when it comes to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. He simply coached the team that was in front of him. Unfortunately, the team that was in front of him is trash. Not his fault. But enough of the New York Knicks. We're actually going to get on to much more of a, uh, you know, better topic. Or, you know what, actually transitioning into a topic right now that isn't quite better. But it's with a winning team. And uh, that team being the Houston Rockets. Um, and for those of y'all who are just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast here, hosted on uh, the In The Zone Network, sponsored by the In The Zone Store. Houston Rockets, I have a problem. That problem is that you guys have now whined about yet another situation in which y'all just flat out blew it. That situation came last week where the team had a 20-point lead, 15 points in the fourth quarter. James Harden goes, fast break, gets a dunk. That ball then somehow goes back through the top half of the rim, what have you. They call basket interference on James Harden rather than counting what should have been a made dunk. The wheels then start to come off for the Houston Rockets where that lead becomes a tie game at the end of the fourth quarter. Yet another tie game at the end of overtime number one. And then, what do you know, they lose by two points in double overtime to the San Antonio Spurs, 135-133. to Houston then goes on to protest the game, saying that the last seven minutes and 50 seconds of the fourth quarter should be replayed because of a misapplied rule by the referees. Now, for those of y'all who are at home and not familiar with the league's protest rules, Protest can happen if a misapplication of the rules takes place. However, according to one Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, while the misapplication of the rule is valid in in this situation, you had the rest of the fourth quarter and two overtimes to make up for this basket. Y'all blew a 20-point lead and y'all are crying over a basket that happened eight minutes into the – or with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter? How? How is this the league's fault? Granted, I am not taking the referees off the hook here because referees and some of their calls have been a problem from what we've seen so far here in this season, which we're about 24 or so games into. But you cannot blame the refs for yet another choke job that your team has undergone. How is it the refs' fault that you guys blew? They didn't give up the baskets. They didn't you know, forget about playing defense for, you know, a quarter and two overtimes. It's not the referee's fault that a 20-point lead got erased as though this was nothing. So, my problem stands there with Houston. Now, what I do also want to make note of here with Houston is that they may have a little bit of a problem. What that problem may be is that this still looks a lot like James Harden and the Rockets rather than James Harden's Rockets. And what do I mean by that, folks? If you all are familiar with the movie The Temptations, you can remember a scene where David Ruffin comes out late, comes on stage during the performance. I am David Ruffin. These are The Temptations. 
feel like a lot of that is happening right now with James Harden and the Houston Rockets. It's a lot of, I am the headliner. This is my supporting cast. Watch me work. Now, granted, James Harden is putting up numbers that, quite frankly, we've only seen guys like Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, to a lesser degree, Kobe Bryant put up in years past. So, he, he can damn sure, please, if he wants to, go out and, and get his David Ruffin on. But what that is doing is causing that supporting cast to look worse and worse by the game. you got P.J. Tucker still doing P.J. Tucker things, but at the same time, he's not the scorer that you need next to James Harden. Clint Capella looks like a shell of himself right now. You have Russell Westbrook, who is definitely an upgrade over Chris Paul from a talent standpoint. But on a team that does a lot of ISO and shooting threes, getting to the free throw line, Russell Westbrook is at, is shooting a weeping 22% from three-point range on the season. He is averaging 4.6 turnovers per game, and he's only hitting 74% of his free throws. So for a team that emphasizes threes and free throws, he's not doing the greatest job of either. So that is where a problem may lie for Houston. Now, I do think come playoff time you can lean a lot on James Harden in the early rounds emphasis on early but there's only but so far at least from what we've seen in these you know past years that James Harden is going to take you because eventually this is going to drain him in the time that you need him most you need to allow Russell Westbrook to take some of that pressure off of Harden in a way that he has not done so yet. Now, if you look at Russell Westbrook's overall numbers, they're still on par with about, you know, his career averages. Um, I think 22 points, eight or so rebounds, seven and a half assists. Fine. But you need James Harden's usage to come down just a little bit so that when it matters the most in crunch time in April, May, and hopefully if you're Houston June, he's able to stay fresh and really put up those numbers in the biggest moments possible. So I think that is a, a big focus that Houston needs to undertake here going into the rest of the basketball season. Now, as we talk about James Harden, that also now transitions and transitions me into my next topic. Um, and again, for those of y'all who are just joining us, this is the Price Check Podcast on the In The Zone Network brought to you by the In The Zone Store. A um, little bit of an update on the MVP race as it stands here about a fourth of the way through the regular season. So, I don't believe that James Harden is going to win MVP again. The reason for that, I just don't think people like that style of basketball. We rewarded Russell Westbrook for his triple-double year. He averaged a triple-double, what, two years straight after that and nobody cared. James Harden put up monster numbers the past couple years. And while we can acknowledge James's greatness, a lot of people don't like watching the Rockets play. And I think a lot of the media who actually votes on the MVP award has come become fatigued with watching the, you know, ISO ball and, you know, jump shooting Rockets. I don't think that is necessarily fair to James, but at the same time, I also think that he doesn't have the strongest MVP case as it stands right now. Um, leading the pack for me um, is still Giannis, the Greek freak out in Milwaukee. Uh, mind you, the Milwaukee Bucks have won 15 straight games as of this recording. Um, they also lost their three games, so they have a 20-3 and three record right now. Their three losses are by a combined 19 points. So, while still putting up 
great numbers. He's also taken his team to a level this year that I did not think they were going to be able to get to due to some of the shuffling pieces around Giannis. Um, and that really just has not mattered for him. Um, you know, looking back at his numbers last year, I think it was what, like 27, 12 and a half and five in terms of points, rebounds and assists. Right now he is just under 31 points per game, right at 13 rebounds a game and right at five and a half assists a game. Um, so I talked about, you know, in, in a previous podcast, a historical uh, you know, relevance of what that would mean for him to get a back-to-back MVP. And right now, he's leading the pack uh, and, and pushing for that second straight MVP award. Now, one player that I do also want to discuss in the MVP um, conversation right now is Luka Doncic. Luka is taking the Mavericks to a level that we probably didn't expect Luka to be able to take them this soon. Mind you, Luka's only 20 years old. Um... I think the question becomes, though, how many games do the Mavericks realistically have to win in order for Luka to be taken seriously as an MVP candidate? Right now, they actually sit, I believe, third in the West, 16-7 and record right now. Personally, and I think what you'll kind of draw a slight comparison to is kind of like the like 08-09 LeBron range where... We knew he was great, but it's kind of still one of those wait-your-turn type of things. Uh, The Mavericks would probably have to win close to, like, 60 games in order for him to be taken seriously as an MVP candidate. Um, Great kid, great at everything he's done so far, uh, but I think he's in a little bit of a wait-your-turn situation with the guys who are actually going to be voting on this award. Um, and, And I do think that Giannis does still have a better MVP case right now just because they are right there, you know, a half game out of the best record in the entire league, whereas you have, you know, Luka's team in, like, you know, the third or fourth range in the actual, you know, in the Western Conference. So, Luka still balling, definitely a shout-out, deserve it, you know, for him right now with how he's playing, but probably a little bit of a, you know, wait-your-turn thing there. Um, Another quick, you know, question that has to be brought up here in the MVP discussion for the Los Angeles Lakers currently have the best record in the league 21 and 3 if you're looking at the Lakers right now you actually do kind of have to ask yourself if you're putting the MVP award in the hands of one of their two stars who is it that is most deserving of the MVP award between LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, from watching as many Lakers games as I have, LeBron would probably get the majority of the vote, mainly because of the fact that he is LeBron and it's now year 17. He'll be 35 here later in the month. You just don't see guys at his age with so many miles doing the things that he is still able to do night in and night out on a basketball court. However, Anthony Davis has this team playing a level of defense that I did not even think was possible. And y'all know how I feel about the Lakers. Come on now. So, with that being said, I could very well see a scenario come the end of the season where LeBron wins an MVP and they give Defensive Player of the Year to Anthony Davis. 
I could also see a scenario in which Anthony Davis wins both awards. Now, we have not seen a player win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season in a very long time, and I, I even need to go back and see when the last time this happened. But I think it is very possible with the level that they are playing at together and also what Anthony Davis does to this team defensively on a nightly basis and how he elevates them on the defensive side of the floor. I think Michael Jordan did it back in 1987 and 88. See, so there we go. Arlington fact-checking me right there. Michael Jordan was actually the last player to do it. I did not remember the year. But winning MVP and defensive player of the year in the same season is not something that happens very frequently, and it's not something that I think most people would believe is possible in today's NBA. So – um, maybe asking a lot of Anthony Davis, but right now the boy is balling. He's helping the Lakers, you know, kind of take that leap um, into a level that they haven't been in quite some time. So um, interesting to see how the entire MVP race plays out here the remainder of the season. Um, now, one other topic that I do want to also hit on here before we start to wrap this thing up, there's been a lot of rumbling here the last couple weeks um, as we kind of talked about the low management issue here um, in previous podcasts. There's been a lot of rumblings and a lot of talk here in recent weeks about a mid-season NBA tournament. Now, for those of y'all who have not heard this just yet, I'll break it down like this. The NBA is contemplating shortening the actual number of official regular season games inserting a tournament into kind of the December, January timeline um, that would basically give teams a reason to continue to play hard, I guess, the entire length of the season and not just kind of tank things out. Real quick, it was uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, the last person to win the NBA MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Aha, so we stand corrected. So it is Akeem Olajuwon, not Michael Jordan. So thank you for that fact check, my good man. Arlington, A-Train Lane, doing everything here on the production side of things. Now, back to this midseason tournament. First of all, I think the idea... (coughs) Excuse me. I think the idea, in theory, great. You can replace the money that you're losing from those regular season games with a midseason tournament. You can do it in one specific city, maybe Vegas, like you do the Summer League, something like that. Okay, great. In application, there is one fundamental problem with the idea of a midseason tournament, and it is this. There is no way right now to incentivize the players to want to play those games in a tournament-style fashion. They don't care about the extra money because guess what? If you got, let's say, the Lakers playing in this midseason tournament, LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't give a damn about no no extra million dollars. They'll make that up being famous in L.A. anyway. Kawhi Leonard doesn't care about an extra million dollars. He has that money coming from New Balance. Like You have guys who can go out and get this money on their own anyway. There's no incentive for them to put those extra hard miles on their bodies midway through the season. Now... They've talked about, you know, money, draft picks, all of that. Everything that has been brought up to this point is only an incentive for the owners due to the fact that they would be missing extra regular season games, not the players. 
So I think that's where this thing goes to an impasse really quickly because, quite frankly, none of the players have to give in to say, yeah, this is a great idea. So we'll probably hear more about that in the coming weeks, coming months, even coming years, depending on how long this thing takes. But it is an idea that the NBA is starting to kick around because they do want to find a way to get rid of the low management issue. They want to find a way to get rid of resting guys on national TV. So this is kind of one of the ideas that they have to do so. Do I think it's a great idea in theory? Yes, in application, not at all. So with that, we'll bring the episode today to a little bit of a close. Next time that you hear from the Price Check Podcast, we'll be giving you a little bit of a preview into the Christmas Day games um, that'll be coming up here towards the end of the month. Um, a lot of good matchups that we're looking forward to, uh, forward to on that day. Um, you'll, of course, hear more about this MVP race as we get further into the season. We'll also take a look um, at some you know, kind of key you know, nationally televised games and things that we're going to be paying attention to. Um, and also... Monitoring, you know, the different trade moves as the trade deadline approaches, and you know, players get talked about. We still anticipate Chris Paul getting moved at some point uh, from Oklahoma City. This Kevin Love trade is starting to gain steam. So, got a lot to look out for here over the coming weeks, coming days. But until next time, this is the Price Check Podcast. I am your host, Josh Price. Check it out. Mm-hmm.